Hi there, this is the Reverend Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is Love to Tell the Story. You know, when it comes to the stories that Jesus told, there's a whole lot to love. But in truth, some of Jesus' parables can also be more than a little unsettling at times, especially when the subject matter hits too close to home. Such is the case with the so-called parable of the rich fool, which is found in Luke 12, verses 13 through 21. It's unsettling, but not because we're fools, or even rich for that matter. But this particular parable does speak to our need in life, yours and mine, for true security. But the question is, what kind of security do we really need? That's the subject of today's message which begins with some thoughts about security blankets. I'm sure that anyone here today who's ever been involved in the lives of very young children knows a little something about security blankets. Because as you know, just about every child has one. And trust me, they matter. Now, this might be an actual blanket, something along the lines of that which Linus always carried in the Peanuts comic strips, and from which I guess the very term security blanket became part of the language. Or else it it might be a favorite pillow, a tattered teddy bear, a beloved doll. But the form is much less important than its function. A security blanket, you see, serves as something tangible, something comforting for that little one to hold on to during anxious times. And folks, I remember this well. Because when they were young, all three of our children carried around with them some form of lovey, which is what we called it in our house. And I'll never forget this, friends, because all through those years, yours truly engaged in a great many scavenger hunts for the sake of recovering a lost or misplaced lovey. In the wee hours of the morning, in the midst of torrential downpours, on family car trips, turning around to go back home one hour into a three-hour drive. No joke. I remember, this is one of my great memories, I remember once driving across town back to church on a Sunday afternoon through a blizzard just so I could dig around on all fours through a snowbank where we thought his lovey had been buried. Also, Jake could have his lovey and stop crying. And we did it because, as Linus himself once remarked after a struggle with Snoopy over his blanket, the struggle for security knows no season. But it was okay, right? As a parent, you know that if an old piece of quilt or a rag doll brings some warmth and comfort to your beloved child on a cold, dark night, well, that's what you want. If it garners you a little bit of extra sleep during that night, so much the better. And besides, we also know this. They're only young for a little while. And you know that eventually your children outgrow their need for a security blanket. 
Of course, that said, I've known a lot of college students who still quietly count those old stuffed animals as amongst their most precious belongings, but I digress. Actually, you know what? It seems to me that even as adults, most of us still have some kind of security blanket. It's just that now, by and large, they tend to be a whole lot more complex in nature than your average lovey. As we grow older, you see, our security blankets take the form of retirement accounts, 401k pension plans, insurance policies, a warm and safe home, a good reliable car, enough money in the bank to see you through whatever rainy day comes your way. Let's face it, these are the things that most of us seek out in order to give ourselves some modicum of security amidst the transitory nature of life. And there's nothing wrong with that, nothing at all. In fact, it's pretty much basic common sense. It's responsible behavior, is it not, to, to build up an abundance to provide for the uncertainty of the future. I know that every year I get these statements in the mail from the pension boards of the UCC. And that letter is just to detail the growth of our retirement account, which I've been paying into since I began in the ministry many, many years ago. And I open up this envelope and I look at those numbers and you know, my first thought is always the same. Well, there you go. At least I got that. <laughs> Whatever else is going on, no matter what our challenges might happen to be, there's a small sense of security in knowing that once I'm retired, there'll be some money coming in. Granted, by and large, clergy don't retire rich, at least this one won't. But at the very least, I take some comfort in knowing there will be some level of abundance. And that does seem like a good thing, right? Well, I guess this is why our gospel text this morning seems kind of jarring to our ears. Now, at the face of it, Luke is telling a story about a couple of brothers who are feuding over the family inheritance, one of whom comes to Jesus to settle the issue. But you realize very quickly that Jesus has no intention of being the arbitrator. He doesn't have, want to have anything to do with dividing the family estate. In fact, I love this. As the message interprets this response, he says, Mr. What makes you think this is any of my business who gets what? Rather, when these brothers come to talk to him, Jesus uses the opportunity to teach on matters of greed and covetousness. Take care, Jesus says, as we just heard Kay read. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Fair enough. Of course, that's not the daily message we get from Madison Avenue, is it? It's not what the culture of affluence would tell us. Though I do think that most of us realize, you know, we might dream a little bit, but most of us realize that the pathway of enlightenment is not to be found while driving the same kind of luxury car that Matthew McConaughey drives. You've seen those ads. I think it's for Lincoln cars, and it's Matthew his cool self driving down the road, and he's saying, you know, I didn't. I wasn't driving these cars because they paid me to. I drive this car because I like how it feels. 
It's great advertising. You know, I wanted to go right out and buy a Lincoln right there. But we know better. That's not what makes us feel good or cool or fulfilled. Most of us know at some level in life, it's not about our money. It's not about our things. It's not about the stuff. And this is what Jesus is saying, warning them right up front about this. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on to tell them a parable about a successful businessman who has done well for himself. In fact, he has produced so abundantly that he now needs to build new storehouses for all the extra grain and all the rest of his goods. He's done well for himself. He's provided amply for his own future. And it would seem as though he had earned the right as he himself pointed out, to relax, to eat, drink, be merry, to retire securely and comfortably, certainly as any of us would be want to do. Or in his own words, I'm quoting the message again, I say to myself, self, you've done well. You've got it made. But then, As Jesus tells the story, God intervenes and utters words that rip through this man's self-satisfied plan like a clap of thunder on a hot summer night. You fool! This very night, your life is being demanded of you. And these things you've prepared, whose will they be? And so it will be, concludes Jesus, for all those who store up treasures for themselves but who are not rich toward God. In other words, so much for retiring rich. Now, I don't care who you are. God's words here come off as harsh and cold. Tonight you die, fool. So what good is a 401k plan going to do you now? And the worst part of it all is that this so-called rich fool really no different than you or I, or what you and I would at least aspire to be someday. I mean, who among us does not want to be set financially, at least for a few years? Truly, most of us, I dare say, work a lifetime towards that precise kind of goal. So the question becomes here, how do you and I make the transition from what we consider to be good and prudent common sense to that which makes us a fool? In God's sight. When is it that our security blankets offer no security at all? Well, first off, this parable is a not-so-subtle reminder that our lives don't go on forever. I'm reminded here of a Far Side cartoon, speaking of old comic strips. An old far side from several years ago in which a woman in widow's garb is looking out the picture window of her house and there is a large cloud in the sky and even as she's watching, she's seeing a TV set, golf clubs, piano, and even a dog are flying out the door of the house and up into the cloud. And the woman says, oh yeah, it's George and he's taking it with him. Life's not like that. Our lives do come to an end. We don't get to take it with us. Our possessions, no matter how impressive, are no hedge against the ending of our lives. All those things to which we cling, all of that to which we fleetingly hoped 
that we fleetingly hope would secure ourselves against our own mortality doesn't work. It's a lie. So Jesus is right. Life does not consist in the abundance of our possessions any more than wealth can be the source of our well-being. That's the mistake that the rich fool made. This assumption that however savvy he may have been about his life, about his financial situation and everything else, somehow he could say that he was in control of things. He wasn't. God is in control of things. And you and I best figure that out now. For not only, as the parable suggests, is the knowledge of it the difference between life and death, but it's the place where the kingdom of heaven dwells. A number of years ago at a former parish, <clears throat> I was asked by a man who was not a member of the church if I might come to his home and meet with his wife for the purposes of uh, planning her funeral. By this time, this woman had been ill for several months and she clearly knew her time was short, so there were things she wanted to discuss with me before uh, she died, and, and that not only included what she wished to have happen at her eventual memorial service, but also a few things that she was quite adamant not happen. Actually, as I recall, despite the subject matter, the conversation turned out to be rather pleasant and quite lively. Uh, as she proceeded to grill this local pastor about hymns and scripture passages and the theological and social significance of all the various and sundry traditions that go along with such gatherings in the church, Felt like I was back in seminary all over again. Eventually, however, this woman began to talk with me about other matters. She was telling me about the things that she was doing in these waning days of her life, as well as expressing concern as to some of the things she felt she needed to do in the time she had left. Notice I didn't say the things that she wanted to do. It was the things she needed to do. And it was evidenced by a long list of tasks, both large and small, that she'd written very neatly and carefully on a small folded piece of paper and to which she often referred to and gestured to as she spoke. For instance, there had been an old friend with whom at one time she had been very close, but since a falling out years before, she, they'd hardly spoken. She'd long regretted what had happened, but now, finally, she sought out her friend to apologize, to make things right. This list she had was filled with stuff like that, and much more. Most prominently, a series of bits of wisdom and words of love, things, small promises she'd made to her children and grandchildren over the years that she was intent on honoring. Stuff, information, loving words that she wanted to share with her husband and family and friends. And the thing was, it was with great enthusiasm and dare I say a distinct tone of joy in her voice as she described to me these crucial tasks that lay before her. And as I listened, it suddenly occurred to me that I was sitting in this lovely living room of a beautiful house Surrounded by a huge yard, the, the ocean view is in the distance, and there's this beautiful swimming pool in the back. This was clearly everything this woman and her husband had worked so many years to have and to enjoy. 
And yet what was also clear is there was not a single item on her list of crucial things to do that had anything at all to do with this beautiful home, her yard, her pool, her wealth, or her things. Everything on that list had to do with the people she loved. It was about setting things aright. It was about extending as much love and care as she possibly could in whatever time she had left in this life. She was determined to make it all happen. And even as frail as her body had become, there was nonetheless a lightness to her heart and there was a brightness about her spirit that was a true inspiration. In the end, you see, in her own way, this woman had found that which Jesus said had eluded that rich fool, that which eludes so many of us, the true treasure that comes in being rich toward God. Why is it, friends, that it takes a reminder of our own mortality to wake us up to the fact that our only true security blanket comes from following God? How is it that we hear this good news spoken to us time after time, but we fail to truly receive it as our own, preferring instead to cling to that which ultimately means nothing? Now, make no mistake, we still make payments towards our retirement accounts. We still make sure our life insurance policies are up to date and adequate for our needs. We dream of the day we might be able to sit back for once and not worry and take it easy. And we should be concerned with that. We should be doing all of those things. But friends, here's the good news of the gospel. That even as we seek to secure ourselves in this world we know so well, Jesus Christ is calling us to live as part of another world, the real world, a place and a way of life where life does not consist in the abundance of possessions, but where a loving God and loving neighbor is wealth indeed. Christ calls us now to follow him and to walk in his ways that we might find that place where we will know what true security is. Question is, will you follow, beloved? I hope you consider this as we come to the Lord's table today. And may our thanks be to God. Amen and amen. And that's the message we've entitled Security Blankets. It was recorded during our August 11th service of worship at East Congregational Church. As always, if you're looking for a church home or if you're visiting the Granite State this summer and are looking for a place to worship, we'd love to have you at East Church. We gather every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and we're located on 51 Mountain Road in beautiful Concord, New Hampshire. As I'm fond of saying, we are a small but mighty congregation, and I guarantee you that you will feel welcomed the minute you walk in the door, and I'd really love to have the chance to greet you. Well, that's it for another installment of Love to Tell the Story. This is Michael Lowry. I thank you for listening, and I do thank you for all the kind words you've offered and the support you're giving me regarding this podcast. So keep in touch. Let me know what you're thinking about this podcast, and until next time, 
May God bless you with a great day. Talk to you soon.